0: That would be a real good time to grab a Bible if you brought one. Um, you know, it. Uh, I, I do not consider myself an evangelist. I consider myself a Bible teacher. And uh, I think your your experiences with us, if they continue, which I hope they will, would be so much enhanced if you had your own Bible. We have them for sale. They're out here. We don't make a dime on them. Um, but we'd love to... This morning is, is one of those times that you're going to have to bounce around in the Scriptures and it would be very... Uh, advantageous to have one in your lap. So, anyway, Hebrews chapter eleven, uh, you find that. And let me say two quick things. First of all, um, I, I, I say this twice a year. I forgot to say it the first service, but one of the things that we've done around here for years is a thing that we call six for six. That is making a list of six people that you know that you're going to pray for for six months. Six for six. Um, we're not asking you to invite them to church. We're not asking you to do anything but pray for six people that you know that perhaps uh, are outside the household of faith, and let's just see if God, what, it, what he does. So make yourself a list, six for six. Six people, pray for them for six months, and then in July I'll tell you again. The other thing is this, uh, Wednesday night, we do resume Wednesday night, uh, full program, and I have told you that we will start um, Galatians 5. But um, we're going we're to delay that a week or so because this coming, <laughs> if, you're, um, if you're interested in my thoughts about the upcoming inauguration, you might want to come this Wednesday night and I'll share those, the thoughts of a blithering idiot um, with you on Wednesday night. But um, I just thought it was uh, so huge that something ought to be said. So this Wednesday night. If you're interested, come be with us as we discuss that. We'll see if we can't uh, draw from the scriptures some kind of leadership. Now, Hebrews 11, what I I really should do is read the whole chapter, all 40 verses, but I'm not uh, because I think I'd lose you somewhere. So I'm going to read you one and then I'll explain what I'm up to in a minute. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, what I've just read to you, that, that endures forever. Guys, I really hardly know how to start on a chapter such as this, Hebrews eleven. Um, chapter, Hebrews eleven didn't get famous for nothing. For those of you who don't know what I'm referring to about f- famous, you know there's three or four chapters in the Bible that uh, everybody seems to know about. The 23rd Psalm, for instance, or 1 Corinthians 13, which is on love. Well, Hebrews eleven ranks up there right with those others. Uh, it's one of the well-known chapters in all of the Bible. Um, I have a preacher friend who preached 20 consecutive sermons out of this one chapter. And, um, and that's not unusual for, uh, for people to spend that long in this chapter. Uh, Spurgeon preached 24 sermons out of Hebrews chapter 11. Um, and I understand why they spend so much time. If you, if you, um, if you take a look at it you'll see why it requires, or at least deserves, um, a bunch of time. So what we're going to end up with in these coming weeks while we're in Hebrews 11 is really a series within a series. Now, stay with me. After all of this doctrinal, this richly doctrinal um, information and content and input, Concerning the supremacy of Christ that the author has given us um, in these um, first nine and a half chapters, he then gives us what is basically a, an Old Testament survey, and that's why it's so overwhelming to, to get your hands around it because it's a summation of the entire Old Testament. So I mean, we could just spend you know week after week after week. Um, I mean, I I think I too could preach 15 or 20 sermons out of it, and I'm going to try not to, just for the sake of not making this series in Hebrews any longer than it already is. Um, But guys, um, to get us going into Hebrews 11, what I have for you this morning is really not much more than an introduction to the chapter. Um, I am convinced that you're never really going to enjoy it or appreciate its, um, its, its impact. Until you get an idea of what the author is up to, you've got to see how the chapter fits in the rest of the book. Um, it, it, in essence, you've got, you just got to get the big picture before you can dive into the, the chapter itself. And and that's what I want to offer you this morning. is kind of a, a panoramic view of what is going on and how chapter 11 fits into the overall message of, of this book. Which, by the way, people don't consider the book of Hebrews a, a letter. They consider it more of a sermon. So um, how does chapter 11 fit into the sermon of the author of the book of Hebrews. Guys, the subject, um, the theme of chapter 11 does not begin with verse one. Chapter 11 is intimately connected with everything that has come before it and everything that's gonna come after it. Um, You cannot, as is done so often, like in Bible studies, you cannot isolate chapter 11 from everything that's come before and everything that comes after it. So what we're going to try to do is, is give you a clear understanding of how it fits in the overall message of this sermon called the book of Hebrews. Guys, The author of Hebrews has spent nine and a half chapters um, establishing the supremacy of Jesus Christ over everything that is Old Testament, like um, the Levitical system, the uh, Aaronic priesthood, the, the sacrificial system. And the operative word in those nine and a half chapters has been the word better, Better That is, Jesus is better than the angels. He offers a better rest. Uh, he, um, he represents a better covenant. He um, has a better temple and a better sacrifice and a better high priest. All of that was designed to establish his point. And his point is the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And he's done that for nine and a half chapters. Now, gang, he does that for an audience uh, of recently converted Jews who, because of perse- persecution, they were thinking, "Well, I know how to get this persecution stop. I will, I will just give this Christianity thing up and go back to Judaism." He's writing to that audience. And he says to them, in essence, you can't do that. Um, That would be to to leave the substance and go back to the shadow. If you you leave uh, Christianity and go to Judaism, back to Judaism, that's exchanging the... um, the consummation of all of those Old Testament predictions about the Messiah, you're going to exchange that for the predictions about the Messiah. In essence, you would be leaving the superior and going back to the inferior. Guys, that's what he's been doing. He's been doing that for nine and a half chapters, which brings us To chapter 10, verse 19. Now you gotta look at it. If you got a Bible, you need to look at it. Hebrews 10, 19, which opens with the word, therefore. Now, gang, back when I preached on this section of Hebrews, it was on November the 27th, which I know you can, that's ancient history. But back then, I made a big deal out of the word therefore. And I said to you then that the author of Hebrews is following a biblical pattern whereby the authors of these books give you all of this doctrinal, uh, theological, biblical truth describing all of the great redemptive purposes and plan of God And then, in light of all that God has done, therefore, then they begin to make application. After they've told you all of these wonderful things. And and if you look at the the text, verse 22, verse 23, verse 24, they all begin the same way. Let us draw. Let us hold. um, And let us consider. In light of what I just taught you, says the author... Let us draw near. Let us uh, hold fast. Let us consider. Those are all applications, ladies and gentlemen, made in the light of everything that I've just told you for nine and a half chapters concerning the supremacy of Jesus Christ. I spent all this time, says the author, telling you about Christ being superior to all of everything in the Old Testament, now, in light of that, let us, let us, let us. And we gotta do all that. Because. Because we have a need. Look at it in verse 36. We're still in chapter 10. Because we have a need. Because you have need of endurance. Um. You have um, a need to endure to the end, and that is the theme that he carries all the way through chapter 11 on into chapter 12, and when we get to chapter 12, you're going to find that the word endurance or perseverance, depending on your translations, That word is mentioned four times in seven verses in chapter 12. Gang, in essence, the book of Hebrews is one grand call to God's people to persevere to the end, to endure everything that comes our way, In the light of the supremacy of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done, the thing that will sustain us is a growing awareness of and an appreciation of and enjoyment of who Jesus Christ is and what he did. We have a need to endure to the end to persevere to the end now guys are you still there? the author of Hebrews did not create that need Jesus did and I want you to see it because the need that he mentions in 1036 is the need that I'm about to show you that Christ uh, described. Guys, go, uh, it's all over the, the Gospels, but I think the clearest statement is found in Mark 13. So go to Mark 13. <clears throat> Mark 13, 13. You gotta see it, guys. This is the need. This is the need that we have this is a need that they had and still have. Mark 13:13. 13, 13, Jesus is speaking and he says, "You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. Oh, you're going to be persecuted." Here it is. "But the one who endures to the end will be saved." He says that same thing in Matthew 24, verse 13. And then you come to the book of Hebrews. And that theme gets mentioned several times in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 3, verse 14. Hebrews. For we share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Chapter 6, verse 11. Uh, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the same uh, full assurance of hope until the end. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, he who perseveres to the end, that's the one that will be saved. Now, do, do you see the genius of the book? The author of Hebrews is saying to a group of persecuted Jewish, ex-Jewish Christians who are considering quitting, no, 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 you have a need. In the light of the supremacy of Christ, you have a need. You have a need to endure to the end. Now, stay with me. With all that said, it is as if the author anticipates the question that his audience is going to ask. Okay, Mr. Author of Hebrews, we see what you've said about the supremacy of Christ and how that, it, just that substance in this other business has been shattered. We get that. And we understand the need that you've just mentioned that we must endure to the end or we won't be saved. Jesus taught that. We get it. But in the light of all that we have to experience and all that gets thrown into our way, how do we make it to the end? Why not just give this up? Why don't we just become one of them? Why don't we turn our On all this, it's led to nothing but hardship and complexity. Why don't we just quit? And you're telling us that we've got this this need to endure. Okay, then. How? How do we endure? Anticipating that question, he tells them in verse 38 of chapter 10. But the just, my righteous ones, the just shall live by faith. And then he repeats that same sentence basically in verse 39. And then he says. Okay, you've got, to, you've got to endure. And this is how. And if you're a bit unclear about how that operates, and would you, would you allow me to explain it to you? I tell you what, let me give you some illustrations of what I mean. And then the author launches into a brief Old Testament survey giving them and us example after example after example names that they would recognize, names that we recognize. He gives them all these examples of people who did the very thing that he's asking them to do. Names familiar to them. If you want to know, says the author, what I mean by living by faith, well, let me tell you. Let me give you some illustrations. Let me give you some examples. And then here comes chapter 11. You want some illustrations about what it means to live by faith? Well, let me give you about 18 of them. And then chapter 11 is a 40-verse commentary on verse 38 of chapter 10. Do you see that? Do you get that? Because I'm convinced, ladies and gentlemen, you'll never enjoy and appreciate, and even perhaps even understand, what's going on in chapter 11 until you see it as the author's commentary of verse 38. Now, if I'm right in that suggestion, and I think I am, then verse 38 is pretty important. He says. The just shall live by faith. That's how you do it. Now guys, back when I preached on that section of Hebrews, that was December the 4th, um, I told you then that that verse is found four times in the Bible. It's found once in the Old Testament, three times in the New. And every time that verse appears in the New Testament, the emphasis is on a different word. For instance... Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The just shall live by faith, says Paul. Not by works, not by law to the Romans. The just shall live by faith. And then he comes to Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, and he says, The just, the just shall live by faith. If you want to know the just ones, they're the ones who are living by faith. And then he comes to Hebrews 10. And the emphasis is this, the just shall live by faith. Gang, it is that living by faith that is the subject of Hebrews chapter 11, as is seen in the lives of numerous Old Testament examples. Uh, Well, uh, could could you tell me, um, how did Abel, verse 4, how how, how did he make it to the end? Well, he lived by faith. Well, what about Enoch? I mean, how did Enoch make it to the end? Verse 5. Well, he he lived by faith. And uh, uh, Noah, Noah, verse 7. Uh, how did he make it to the end? Well, he lived by faith. Well, what about Abraham? I mean, Abraham. I, you know Everybody knows Abraham. How did, how did he make it to the end? Well, he lived by faith. Well, Moses, you know, the giver of the law. I mean, uh, how did he make it to the end? He made it to the end because he lived by faith. Guys, in the lives of these people who were mentioned in chapter 11 it was their steadfast hope in the promises of God all of which find their consummation in Jesus Christ and Him crucified it was in their steadfast hope in promises that they never saw fulfilled. And then this author turns to his audience and says, these people made it to the end because they believed in promises that God had made to them that they didn't see consummated. But on the contrary, you, my readers, You've seen these promises consummated in Christ and him crucified. You can't go back. Well, the whole idea is unthinkable. Because all of your heroes, all of those men whose tales you tell in your own homes, The way they made it to the end is that they lived by faith. Guys, Hebrews 11 gives us examples of people who lived by faith in the promises that God made to them and you've got to see this. Because it's so germane for us. They lived according they they lived by faith in promises that they did not see in their lifetimes fulfilled. Said twice in this book, verse 13 and verse 39. But now, in the days of the book of Hebrews, those promises had been consummated in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there are still promises made to us that have not yet been fulfilled. The second coming, the new heavens and the new earth, And the way that you and I make it to the end is just like these people made it to the end. They lived faithfully to the end of their lives because they believed promises that God made to them. And they walked and lived by faith in those promises to the end of their days without having seen the consummation of the promises. You want to know how we live? You want to know how we make it to the end? faith. We live by faith and promises that God has made to us. Even though they may bury us before those promises are consummated. Now let me point out one more thing and and I'm done. Guys, we Christians today, We have the same need that these people in the book of Hebrews had. The same, chapter 10, verse 36 need, you have the need to endure to the end. We have that same need. Um, We must persevere to the end. If we don't and we fall away uh, tomorrow, that just demonstrates that we were really not saved today. But here's my point. We have the same need. Got to make it to the end. But tell me this. How does the 21st century church go about encouraging her people to endure to the end? Hmm. What advice do we give to our people in the hopes that we would encourage them to endure to the end. What do we say to them? <laughs> Here's what we do. We say, well, now, listen, um, <clears throat> if you want to make it to the end, um, you need to go to church a lot. Oh, if you want to make it to the end, you need to read your Bible a lot. Well, I mean, if you want to make it to the end, you, 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 need, to, you need to stay away from that porn." Now, ladies and gentlemen, please don't mishear me. I am not deprecating any of those things. I think they're all good pieces of advice. But here is what I am saying. When this author, this inspired author, when he got ready to give advice to his people as to how they might make it to the end, he didn't mention any of that. You know what he told them? He told them to go out and live by faith. He told them that God has made promises. We've seen them. We've seen him fulfill those promises. We've seen him put those fulfilled promises on display in the coming of the promised savior and the accomplishment of his promised work. Now go live in the light of promises that he that are yet to be fulfilled. Gang. None of us will endure by gritting our teeth and clenching our fists and trying harder. Endurance, which is our need. Endurance is the result of discovering more and more of the beauty of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf, in our stead. As our sin bearing substitute and our steadfast hope in his promises that he's going to one day come back and get us. And that, ladies and gentlemen. is the subject of Hebrews chapter 11. And I can't wait to teach it to you. Father, I pray that you'll show your people all over again that this performance mentality that we brought into the world at birth it doesn't serve us very well when we're trying to grow in grace that all of, our, all of our machinations oftentimes amount to very little if we have not discovered the grand beauty of Christ in Him crucified. And Father, if you've led people here this morning who have not yet met that crucified Christ, would you open their eyes to see Him now? in all of his willingness to save. For the rest of us, oh God, those who are a part of the household of faith, would you show us that the just we live by faith. Do that, Father, for Jesus' sake. Amen.